Showtime with Fred Allen. Texaco dealers from coast to coast present the Texaco Star Theater, starring Fred Allen with Georgia Jessel, Broadway's new literary life, Hilo Jack and the Dane, Portland Harper, the Texaco Workshop Players, Al Goodman, and his orchestra. And this is yours truly, Jimmy Wallington, reminding you that the metal and rubber that could have gone into new cars this spring are helping to beat the axis, and that your old car can help beat the axis too, if you keep it in trim for your essential wartime driving with a Texaco dealer's regular care. So take your car to your neighborhood Texaco dealer tomorrow for a Texaco Spring Tonic. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a big week for travel. Winston Churchill went to Washington. Former Ambassador Joseph E. Davies went to Moscow. Tonight, we bring you a man who is going no place, and here he is, Fred Allen. And good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, you're right. This has been an eventful week. The RAF blew up those two big dams over in Germany. With all that water flooding Germany, Hitler will have to stop goose-stepping and start duck-stepping for a day. You know, people treading water in the streets over there will sink if they put their hands up. So now, when they hire Hitler with the other hand, they'll have to hold their noses. You know what <laughs> You know, this sure has been a great week, Fred. Did you hear Mr. Churchill speak over the air last Wednesday? Did I? I had to tune out our gal Sunday to hear it. <laughs> well, Mr. Churchill, Mr. Churchill says that Japan's cities will be laid in ashes. You know, does laid in ashes mean that the cities are going to be bombed, or is Mr. Churchill going to fly over Japan with one of those big cigars? I don't know. Well, things look good, Jimmy. We've taken Tunisia. We're bombing Italy. And don't forget that, too. What? That, too. Oh, Gesundheit, Jimmy. <laughs> but if things keep up this Mr. way... Mr. Of course. Well, Portland, you look all tired out, if you don't mind my saying so. What's up? Well, I've been running around with Mama all week, trying to find potatoes. Trying to find potatoes. Potatoes. Yes, potatoes have been scarce, haven't they? The nearest I came to seeing a potato last week, I passed a man on the street smoking a spud cigarette. <laughs> How do you think oak trees grow from little acorns? That's the way laughs start. A person said it. Claudia found 17,000 pounds of potatoes in a barber shop. Without his glasses, too. I saw that in the <laughs> I saw that in the paper. There was a sign in the barber shop window. It said, haircut and shave, 65 cents, with French fried potatoes, 10 cents. <laughs> Did the mayor take the potatoes? I believe he did. Why? Well, the next time he goes to a fire, he can bake them. Yes, <laughs> It'll teach, it'll teach the barber a lesson, too. No man should start in the potato business on a shoestring. Now, I hope the barber will take that to heart. After that joke... That's the last joke I'll buy in the black market. I don't... After that joke, we better get 
get down to Allen's Alley. Right. What is your question? Well, tomorrow, National Poetry Week starts, Portland. And during the week, we are all supposed to be more or less poetry conscious, you see. And so our question tonight is, what are you doing about National Poetry Week? Shall we go? After you, madame. <laughs> Well, here we are, back in Allen's Alley, Portland. Mr. Doe's cat is in the front yard. Oh, his cat? Well, if John has put the cat out, he must be going to bed. I'd better hurry up and nod. Oh, it's you again. Yes, Mr. Doe. Tell me, do you uh, do you observe National Poetry Week? Well, as a boy, my father wouldn't let me fool with no poetry. He was sore at all poets. Mad at all poets? Why? The complete works of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow once fell off a table and broke two of my father's toes. <laughs> I see. And that turned him against all poets. And are you <laughs> are you mad at poets too? Nah, I don't like my father. So every year during National Poetry Week, I write a poem for Spike. For Spike, you write a poem. Well, what poem did you write this year for Spike? It's called the sixty-four dollar question. Well, how does it go? Here's what I am. I'll give you a clue. I'm not something old. I'm not something new. I've been cheered. I've been hissed, condemned, and approved. I've been lauded. I've been cursed, accepted, and removed. I've been esteemed, rejected, sanctioned, and banned, hailed again, welcomed, and finally canned. I ain't vegetable or mineral. I ain't woman or man. I'm just a football for Congress, the poor rumble player. <laughs> well, it looks like a great night for poetry, all right. Let's see what happens here next door. No. <laughs> Ah, Mrs. Nussbaum. You are expecting maybe Mother McCree. <laughs> Tell me, Mrs. Nussbaum, are you doing anything about National Poetry Week? Only once in my life I'm writing a poem. Only once? When? When I'm a little girl, Mumsy is sending me to a store I shall bring back for ten cents a salmon head. <laughs> I'm getting an inspiration. Oh, you bought the salmon head and you got an inspiration. What was your poem called? Solitude. Solitude. How did it... <laughs> Solitude, how did it go? In a delicatessen on the floor stands a battle by the door. In the battle filled with brine floats a pickle saturnine. <laughs> Customers come in steady trickle. But no one buys the lonely pickle. <laughs> Bobbing, turning, floating, sinking. Little pickle, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, if life could be a barrel of brine, and man was a pickle green and fine, man couldn't fight, man would spread goodwill, and the world would be getting a better bill, I think. <laughs> Mrs. Newsbound has a sour outlook. Perhaps we'll have better luck in here. <laughs> well, Socrates, how are you reacting to National Poetry Week? Oh, I've been writing poetry for years. You have, really? Yeah. What sort of poems do you write? Uh, mostly about water. Water poems. Yeah, if I see a lake, I'll write a poem. Oh, fine. If I see a brook, I'll write a poem. Good. If I see a bottle, I'll write well, a poem. We, we, we get the idea. Uh, what, uh, what is your favorite water poem, Socrates? It's called 
the, the shape. Uh, may we hear it tonight? Uh, sure. Thank uh, you. The, uh, the shape. What do I see when I look out the shape? I see the shape. That's what I see. Frigates <laughs> and brakes, rowboats and rigs, catboats and launches, sailors with paunches. That's what I see when I look out the shape. Thank you. Mackerel and pickerel, people see sickerel. Get them and flotch them. Whalers who clutch them. That's what I see when I look at the Thank you very much. That's another verse. Oh, another verse. I don't know. What do I see when I look out the sea? What do I see? Well, what do you see? Nothing. The tide's out. (laughs) Well, that brings us once again to a little poison ivy covered cottage at the end of the alley. Greetings, many gentlemen. Falstaff joins you once again. I hope you have come with, uh, you've come sans dactyl tonight, Falstaff. Oh, contraire. Have you heard rabbits aren't babbits, but they do have babbits habits? No. Or, uh, said the big bull whale to the little sardine, brother, I've been necking a submarine? Sounds familiar. I heard it with a minnow once, I think, in a rowboat. I'm not sure. Have you heard this? Mother put arsenic on the cinnamon toast. A few minutes later, father gave up the ghost. Now we're finally done it. Tonight we are discussing poetry here. Why else would I be here? I have done it again. What is your poem called? The Muse Has Come to the Alley. Carry on, sir. This evening, National Poetry Week was observed in Allen's Alley. You've heard assorted rhyme and quip and rondelay and sally. John Doe regaled you with refrain on the rummel plan's decline. Mrs. Nussbaum's ode to the gherkin praised the pickle saturnine. Socrates looked out to sea, and the ocean did malign. These double crosses have ruined my racket. They've left me naught to recite. So I'll fold my tent like the Arab and steal back into the night. Well, thank you, sir. Slinks out of our lives. We know it is Hilo Jack and the Dame time. It is also Al Goodman time. With talents pooled, they bring you Wait for Me, Mary. Wait for me, Mary. Turn the world to smile again. Turn the smiles to smile again. And the dreams to smile again. Wait for me, Mary. Wait for me, 
sing again, dear. I will come back to you. Well, I can hurry to you. Wait for me. Hello, Jack, and the game that was swell. And now, Jimmy, oh, Jimmy, is that a sheet of music you have there? Why, yes, it's a song I wrote, Ted. Serenade to an Aging Sedan. Oh, an Aging Sedan. Anyone we know? Oh, I think everybody knows this old sedan, Fred. It's just the average family car, getting uh-huh. along in years, but still willing to do its job. And my song shows how a Texaco spring tonic, complete Marfax chassis lubrication, a crankcase refill with the right grade of insulated Haviland, and the stem to stern Texaco checkup, can put a song in the heart of any car. Well, Jimmy Wallington, if you could make a song out of that, you are another Stephen Foster. I do it. You do it, eh? Yes, sir. Mr. Goodman, if you please. My auto is ancient, but it runs like new Because I'm one driver who knows what to do As regular as clockwork, I drive around to The sign of the Texaco stop A Texaco checkup, some mighty fine thing His checks were important in this wartime spring It's a tonic to make your old car want to sing At the sign of the Texaco stop Take our suggestion and make your old car Feel full of no bigger offset well, John and Charles are through. Thomas may hold out, but John is If that doesn't ground the man on the flying trapeze, nothing will. Mr. Wallington, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Wallington and I are available for smokers, stags, barbecues, lunchtime follies, or other stuff. Now, look, Portland, stop reading that magazine while I'm talking. I was just looking at these new styles in Esquire. Oh, the new men's styles? Yes. Gosh, Mr. Allen, you sure dress corny. Who is corny? Why, Bonnie made this suit personally. Look at this. He made it in the window himself. The lapels, the lapels are detachable. If a man from the finance company grabs you, the lapel comes off in his hand. It's a new idea. As the little boy whose head came to a point said, Sister, I am shocked. Well, so much for fun, Portland, and people with pointed heads. We'd better... Our present company accepted, of course. We'd better get ready. Who are we having as our guest tonight? Portland, not who, it's whom. Whom are we having? Why, our guest is a great author. If he hears a grammatical error in his presence, he'll swoon. And it's two miles to water from here. This man is an English... This man is an English perfectionist. You mean Red Skelton? Oh, no. <laughs> our guest is Georgie Jessel. He has just written his autobiography. It's called So Help Me. George Jessel wrote a book? Yes. In English? <laughs> Yes, in English. He had a little punctuation left over. He's using it for astigmatism till he gets his plan. And that's why I want to see him tonight. I'm going to write the story of my life, and I think that perhaps Jessel can help me. But how can you write your life when you haven't finished living it yet? Well, well, Jessel will know. Jessel will know what to do. He isn't dead yet as far as I know, and he wrote his life. Maybe on the last page of my book I can put... To be continued. And then as I live, I can keep mailing out episodes to people who have thought before. I can keep up with this. This may be Jessel now. Come in. 
I'll step a little closer, brother. I have an item here no man can afford to be without. Now, wait a minute. What is Look, it? brother, under my coat. Uh, where? Next to the postcards. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Georgie Jessel's book. Right. This racy volume called So Help Me contains all the facts, figures, hits, runs, and errors of George Jessel's career. This volume is worth $15. To eliminate the middleman, I'm selling for $2.50. Well, who... Uh, all right. You want more for your money? With each and every copy of Jessel's book, I have given away absolutely free a genuine Easter lily bulb bookmark. You put the lily bulb in the book, it leaves a lump. You can't lose your place. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> You lost your All place. Right. You lost your place. You put a lily bulb. You should have the lily bulb with you for occasions like this. You say that ain't enough? All right. Along with each and every copy of Mr. Jessel's book, I'm throwing in a little dandy vest pocket orange juice squeezer and a Boy Scout jackknife with 347. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You say that ain't enough? All right. With each and every copy of Mr. Jessel's book, I give you the author himself. And here he is, meet Mr. George Jessel. Thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, gosh, Georgie, make a personal appearance with every book. You'll be warm. <laughs> Georgie, I can't believe it. Here you are, the great literary... <laughs> Here you are, the great literary lion, and only last week you were just plain Jessel the actor. Yes, Fred, my pantaloon days are over. The grease paint on my collar has given away to ink stains on my fingertips. You know, with that monocle in your eye, you even look like an author there for a minute. Is that so? And I'm letting my hair grow long, too. And with me, this is not so easy. <laughs> you certainly changed, Georgie. I don't see you eating in Lindy's anymore. Oh, no, Fred. There's no chopped liver on my breath these days. Oh, no. <clears throat> Smell. Mmm. What is that? Tea. Tea? Orange Pico. I go to a little tea shop downtown. The Fawn's Haunt, they call it. The Fawn's Haunt. Yes, yeah. the intelligentsia eat there, you know. It's a real literary rendezvous. Right? Oh, yes. Last year, the menu won the Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> and of course, in a place like that, if a guest makes a grammatical error while ordering, the bouncer comes and whoop, he's out right away. Oh, yes. That's the circle you are moving That's in the people place. I hang around well, with. Well, tell me, did you move out of that Actors Hotel on 46th Street? Well, of course, to get the real writer's atmosphere. I'm living now in an attic down in Greenwich Village. You're living in a garret? Mm-hmm. The same room that John Steinberg wrote Mice and Men. The same room. And the same mice are there. <laughs> Well, Georgie, after your exciting career in the theater, isn't this literary life a letdown? Letdown? Why, Fred, since my book So Help Me came out, every morning I'm in Guantanamo's window blowing kisses to the crowds and autographing, you know. How Every morning. How long does this keep up? Till noon, then I run over to the automat. Oh, to the automat? Yes. You sell your book in the automat? Right next to the potato salad, yes. <laughs> so you put a dime in the slot, my head flies out, and I read your chapter of the book, you see? <laughs> Well, that keeps you pretty busy. And on top of this, they've asked me to join the Book of the Month Club, but I refuse. Why? Who can write a book every month? Well, <laughs> you, uh, well, tell me, Georgie, how did you come to write the story of your life? Well, but one day I went down to the draft board. Yes? And said, Jessel, how did you get to look like this in only 37 years? <laughs> so this sort of... <laughs> Sort of set me to thinking. That's your thinking, huh? Yes, I, I started conjuring up my early days. My grandfather with the long beard. He had a long beard? Oh, my God. had the longest beard in the Bronx, my grandfather, yes. <laughs> he had buttons down the front and a belt in the back. 
bought a Vazoot beard. Yes. <laughs> Gosh. Then I thought of my Uncle Louie, the Sturgeon King. You know, Uncle Louie, you like that. The Uncle Louie was crazy, you know. Really? Yes. My Uncle Louie thought he was a piece of boiled beef. He had to go in every hour and pour horseradish on his head. It was awful. <laughs> well, you had some interesting relatives. And then, Fred, I thought about my father. Every day my father would sit on the front steps in his bathrobe wearing a fez. That's all he did for a living, wear a fez? Well, no, no. At night, my father would put on his dress suit and his high silk hat. Then I'd run after him down the street, laughing all the time. Laughing at your own father? Yeah, you see, his shirt front used to light up and spell Fugelman's Romanian restaurant. <laughs> my father had a very big chest. There was room for everything. Yeah. But you must have had some pleasant memories. Fred, when I emptied the top drawer of my mind, well, I had a book. I should hope so. You know, I'm going to write the story of my life, George. Now, if I can only get a successful writer to well, help I'm me... Well, I'm a successful writer, Fred. Really? You should read what the critics have said about my book. The critics? Well, well I have the notices right here. Look at this. Hoboken Herald. Jessel is a shining light in the literary horizon. Hoboken. We Hawk and Gazette. Dynamite in every page. Look at this, Staten Island Chronicle, a must on your reading list. Look at here, the New York Daily News. Eh, who reads the news? Well, the critics, that's, uh, they, they had to read your book, Georgie. That's their business. Who else is? Everybody is reading my book first. Oh, now, don't overdo it. Oh, no. Well, well, all right. You've got a thousand people here in your audience right in the studio. Ask any one of these people. Oh, that's ridiculous, Is it? Well, I'll pick any one at random. Now, that lady over there, there, for the thing in the third row. Lady over and, madam, there. would you step up here, please? Would you mind? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Georgie. We can't interrupt the radio broadcast. Radio schmadio. I want to prove something to you, and it'll be all right. Madam, would you mind standing over here. Uh, my name is uh, Alan, uh, madam. This is Mr. Jessel. I'm glad to meet you both. Oh, thank you. Now, madam, I'd like to ask you one question. Have you read a book called So Help Me, uh, written by George Jessel? So Help Me? Well, now, if you haven't read it, I mean, never mind, because Miss Alan, I just want to prove something. Look. I have read the book. You have? There you are, Fred. An absolute stranger picked a friend. This lady has read my book. Thank you, madam. Now, I'm more... Uh, just a minute, madam. Yes, Mr. Allen. Uh, madam, what do you think of the book? I think it's the greatest book I ever read. And I think Mr. Jessel's name will go down in history as one of the greatest country's geniuses. Mrs., I don't know what to say to you, but I'm deeply indebted to you for that statement. Allow me to help you write back now, to your just, case. just a minute, madam. May I have your name for our files, please? I'm Mrs. Jessel. Jessel, are you... Uh... <laughs> By any chance related to this gentleman here? I'm his mother. I thought so. His mother. <laughs> what a coincidence! A thing like this couldn't happen in a thousand years. Such a thing. You did it fine. You were fine, mother. Yes, I'll see you home later. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't come home to. Don't worry about me. I'll send the money. Take it out. Take it out. Take it out. You've got to pay her. She won't take it from me. Now, look. Uh, everything is all swell. Let's get going. Now, I want to write the story of your life. Well, all right. I think I can trust you, Georgie. Before we start, how much will you charge to ghostwrite my book? Well, to write like a ghost, I'll have to wear a clean sheet every day. This runs into money, you know. <laughs> what, uh, what is your usual fee? Well, for $1,000, I can write your life in 10 volumes. And with this, I'll throw in two bookends. For $1,000? $1,000. Well, haven't you something cheaper? Well, now, for $500, I can squeeze your life into one book. One book. In right. one volume. But then you're not as big a man as you are. 
dollar and ten volumes. Well, no. But it'll be a nice fat book. Babies can sit on it. It'll save a high chair if you need it. <laughs> Georgie, what do you write for, say, a hundred? Oh, a hundred dollars. This comes out of very small pamphlet. Pamphlet. I write a few dates. You were born, and two pages later, you're already an old man. That's all. In two pages? Well, for this price, you age very quickly, you know. <laughs> I don't know. A hundred dollars is a lot for a pamphlet. What would I get for, say, uh, fifty dollars? For fifty dollars, you will get a hand bill with your picture on it. Underneath our right here is a man with something on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, I'll throw in a picture of the ball besides. Is that all right? Georgie, I'm afraid that... Oh, I'm you want it cheaper. All right. Four dollars. I'll write your name on Kleenex. You satisfied? <laughs> Georgie, look, forget, forget about my life. Forget the whole thing. And if I were you, I'd even forget about writing. What do you mean? My book is a big success. I'll make a fortune. Look, you can't make any money writing a book, Georgie. Well, why not? Look, I'll explain the whole thing to you. If, in the first place, if your book is a bestseller, in two weeks it comes out in a 25-cent edition and they start selling it around in the drugstores, you see? A customer comes in, picks up your book, reads it while he eats his meal at the soda fountain, then puts the book back on the rack. Mm. The party not only reads your book for nothing, but he spills malted milk on it and the pages stick together so you can't even sell it later. That's true. I've done it myself with a fudge sundae. That's it's true. Peter with, with a fudge sundae. But give up writing. Give up writing, Georgie. You'll end up like Shakespeare alone in a garret drumming a compass. Come back to the theater. Remember those good old days in Bolville? Remember the time we played the Hippodrome, the big house in Red Bank? Oh, you remember who was on the bill? Pinkus's performing peacock. Pinkus's peacock. The headline. Yes, I remember that. how Pinkus would shake the peacock every morning and should lay an egg for Pinkus's breakfast. <laughs> the peacock's eggs had technicolor yolks, as I remember. Yes, I do. Yes, and the great Saul Peter, the great typewire wire. Oh, remember the night the great Saul Peter broke his leg? The wire was loose, and the great Saul Peter was tight. Yes. <laughs> Those were the days. That's oh, it. Come back, Georgie. The name Jessel in front of a theater in blue neon will pack them in. Yeah, I know. But the name of Jessel now belongs to the world of literature. Well, look, you can take another name for the theater. Start a new career. Think up a name, any name. A new name? Now, wait a minute. How would a name like maybe uh, Jolson be? Jolson? That's an odd name. Isn't yes. It? That's an odd name. I just made that up. That name. I'll call myself Mal. Like Al Smith, only there's an M on it. Mal Jolson. Let's see how that sounds. Tonight we launch a new star, Mal Jolson. Mal Jolson. Now, name like that might catch on. Mal Jolson. It's possible. With a few jokes and a song, uh, you can't miss Mal. Well, I got a song for you. Fine. Ladies and gentlemen, we are privileged to present the world premiere of a new personality, Mal Jolson. Now, listen. You ain't heard nothing yet. Play it, Gordon. I lost my heart in Avalon beside the Bay Willie. Take that beat away. I lost my love in Avalon and sailed away. I dream of her and Avalon from dusk till dawn. And so I think I'll travel on to
before we close the Texaco Star Theater, I want to thank Mal Jolson and Georgie Jessel for dropping in tonight. Next week, we bring you Dr. Rockwell, Maine's ambassador of goodwill, in his only radio appearance this season. And here's Jimmy Wallington with a poppy in his lapel and a message from all Texaco dealers. Yes, Fred, Texaco dealers ask you to remember that buying a poppy is a way we can help needy veterans, their families, and the families of men now in service. So buy a poppy and wear it as a tribute to America's fighting men. An excellent suggestion, Jimmy. This is Fred Allen speaking for Texaco dealers from coast to coast, inviting you to tune in again next Sunday and to drive in at any time. Remember, you're welcome. Thank you. Good night. Columbia Broadcasting System.